Hi, and welcome to PFASology with me, Rachel London. PFASology is a podcast where we interview researchers about per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, better known as PFAS. In the last few years, there's been increasing attention on these substances from scientists, NGOs, and governments. Whilst useful, they have become widespread contaminants found in most environments and animals in the planet. There are many scientists all over the world who are working on this issue. Amongst them is a group of early stage researchers, or ESRs, in the project PERFORCE 3. Those of us on this podcast are all researching and learning about these substances. On this show, we're going to talk about PFAS, some of the research going on at the moment, and some of the ESRs who are working on this issue. Each episode, we are going to look at one of the aspects investigated by our researchers and share what we are learning about PFAS. In June 2021, a paper was published by the journal Environmental Science and Technology Letters, which caused quite a stir. The paper had surveyed some 231 cosmetics and found that many of these cosmetics contained undisclosed PFAS. This paper brought to attention the fact that people who had used these products may have been exposing themselves to these PFAS. This prompted the US Senate in August 2021 to reintroduce the bill, the Personal Care Products Safety Act, over concerns that this had happened due to the lax standards in US cosmetics. Now, whilst one might hope that this is an anomaly, PFAS are not uncommon in household items. Besides cosmetics, they can also be found in furniture, clothes, electronics, food packaging, and other items. Therefore, knowing that we may be exposed to these chemicals in our daily lives, this can lead us to ask the question, does this mean that our bodies uptake this PFAS? In this episode, Jos Daumen will talk to Odni Ragnarsdotter about PFAS uptake through our skin. Both Jost and Odni are early stage researchers at the PERFORCE 3 project. Jost is based in Stockholm University in Sweden, and Odni is at my old university, the University of Birmingham in the UK. Hello, Odni. Nice to have you on the podcast. Hi, Jost. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us why PFAS are added to consumer products such as cosmetics? PFAS are added to products because of their unique properties. For example, they are used in outdoor clothing to make the fabrics more waterproof. And they're also used in cosmetics for the same reason, for example, in waterproof mascaras. But in cosmetics, they also supposedly increase the spreadability, wear and durability of the products. And finally, it has been claimed that PFAS increase skin absorption of products such as creams and improve the texture and appearance of the skin. Okay, so yeah, we know that PFAS are in a lot of consumer products, in cosmetics as well. Are there different ways in which these substances end up on our skin? Yeah, so there are three main ways that a person's skin could be exposed to PFAS. The first is just direct application on the skin, like what happens with cosmetics. The second one, PFAS can end up on the skin through contact with clothes or furniture that have been treated with PFAS-containing products. And finally, because PFAS are stable and found in many different household products, just simple household dust could contain significant concentrations of PFAS. And this dust can, of course, come into contact with the skin when you're in the home. Yeah. And uh, PFAS, they are a chemical class that contains thousands of substances. 
I believe the OCD lists more than 4,700 substances as PFAS. Which of these are used in the applications you mentioned and uh, to which is our skin exposed in the end? Yeah, like you say, it's a big group. So with PFAS is quite diverse. Uh, in clothes, we find the so-called legacy PFAS, such as perfluorooctanoic, hexanoic and butanoic acids, as well as a volatile group called fluorotelomer alcohols. In cosmetics, we have found a group called perfluoroalkyl phosphate esters, or PAPs, as well as the legacy PFAS I mentioned before. And finally, with dust, this just really depends on which products are in the house and which PFAS have been applied to them. So this can be very diverse. Right. Should people be worried about this? Are there any negative health effects to the exposure to all these uh, different substances? There have been many different studies into the health effects of PFAS, and they have found many different results. The European Food Safety Authority, or EFSA, lists four main health effects, negative health effects of PFAS, which are decreased birth weight of newborns, decreased immune response to vaccinations, increased cholesterol, and then finally liver damage. Okay, and it could also be possible that these effects are caused by the skin coming into contact with the, with the PFAS. So this is what I will be investigating the dermal uptake of PFAS, or the fraction of the chemicals that can reach our bloodstream or enter our bodies through the skin. Okay, and this dermal uptake, what are the things that determine whether this takes place? The structures and properties of the chemicals play a part. Then there are two factors of major importance. The first is bioaccessibility, or the amount of a substance that is accessible for absorption through the skin. For instance, by being dissolved in sweat or sebum. Sebum is the oily substance that is produced by our skin. And chemicals must be in solution to be able to penetrate the skin. So this is the first step in thermal uptake. The second is bioavailability, or the fraction of the absorbed substance that reaches the bloodstream through the skin. And I can imagine that this is quite a complicated process, how this uh, actually works. Maybe go a bit more in depth, how does PFAS or another substance for that matter uh, actually penetrate our skin? Yes, so the skin is, like you maybe know, the largest organ of the body. And it is designed to protect the body and not let things in. And it's made up of different layers, which have different properties. However, there are a few ways for a compound to enter the skin. The main way is passive diffusion through a semi-permeable barrier. For the skin, this would be the outermost layer of the skin called the stratum corneum. And this is when a chemical moves from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration through a porous barrier. And once through the stratum corneum, the chemicals will follow a concentration gradient. The second way is through facilitated penetration, which is when a compound enters the skin via hair follicles. But in humans, we don't have that much hair, so this is only a small pathway of penetration. And this is also one reason why animal models are not as suitable for thermal absorption studies. The final way is called active or assisted transport. And this is when chemicals bind to proteins, which then transport them through the skin. Okay, that sounds uh, quite interesting and quite complicated, actually. You mentioned you don't use animal uh, subjects, but I'm wondering what are the methods you can use in the lab to investigate the dermal uptake? Yeah, I will do this in three steps. 
First, I investigate the bioaccessibility that I mentioned before. So the solubility of a substance into the fluids that are found on the surface of the skin. And I will do this with experiments using artificial sweat and sebum and expose this to dust that I know contain PFAS to see how much of the PFAS are released from the dust into the fluid. The second step I will do is I investigate the bioavailability or the ability of PFAS to travel through the skin and into the bloodstream. I will do this by exposing skin cell cultures or artificial 3D human skin equivalent models to neat standards of PFAS to see if they enter through the skin. And the third and final step, I combine the first two steps and expose the human skin models to sweat and sebum as well as the PFAS containing dust. And this kind of mimics real life scenarios and gives us a better idea of real life scenarios. And in my exposure tests, I'll be using so-called 3D human skin equivalent models, which are human skin cells that have been cultured in a lab. And the models I will use are made up of reconstructed human epidermis, which is the outermost layer of the skin. And this layer is also the main protective barrier of the skin. And these cells make it possible for me to do my research without the use of lab animals and human subjects. Okay, yeah, that sounds very um, innovative, actually, that you don't have to use any animal or human subjects to create these cultures of skins in the lab. And so far in your research, what's the status? What have you done? So far, I have done the bioaccessibility experiments. So first I had to prepare synthetic sweat and sebum mixtures in the lab, which was quite fun. And then I exposed those to the contaminated dust in different ratios of the sweat and sebum. And then very soon I will get my first batch of the skin models for the first exposure experiment. So this is very exciting. Yes, I can imagine. And uh, apart from your research, is there anything we currently know about the dermal uptake of PFAS? Actually, right now we don't know a lot about the dermal uptake. There have been a few studies but overall, there is very little research into this subject. We know more about PFAS exposure through other pathways, such as food and drinking water. But because dermal uptake is thought to be very minor, people haven't been as focused on that. However, we are discovering a lot of products that contain PFAS that end up in contact with the skin. So I would say dermal uptake is an important exposure pathway to investigate. Yeah, I would uh, agree, I think. Yeah, to conclude, what do you think will be the future for this dermal exposure pathway? Will there be any new rules or regulations targeting the, like the PFAS that come into contact with the skin? Hopefully, uh, we already have some restrictions. For example, EFSA has recommended a tolerable weekly intake of PFAS through diet. So hopefully a better understanding of the possible exposure through dermal uptake will aid in future regulations of PFAS in the consumer products that touch the skin and could lead to dermal exposure. Okay, Odni. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much for this interesting discussion. Thank you as well for your contribution to the PFASology podcast. Thank you as well, Just Thank you for having me. Thank you, Just and Odni, for a wonderful interview. Today, we heard that PFAS are many things that come in contact with our skin. Because of this, it's important that we investigate the potential dermal uptake of PFAS. However, this is hard to predict due to the unique chemical properties of PFAS. Because of this, Odney is investigating this issue using 3D human skin equivalent models. 
Next episode, Michael will be talking to Joost about his research on industrial emissions of PFAS to the atmosphere. If you're listening to this podcast when it came out, then SeaTac 2022 is just around the corner, and some of us from Purple 3 will be there to talk about our results. If you're there and you're interested, come say hello. We'd love to meet you. If you like this podcast, follow us on Spotify, Twitter, or ResearchGate. Or visit our Perforce 3 website at perforce3-itn.eu. That's www.perforce3-itn.eu. We would love any feedback you have for us, so feel free to message us with comments or ideas on Twitter and rate us on Spotify. The PFASology podcast was produced and created by the PhDs of Perforce 3. Today's episode featured and was written by Odni Ragnarsdotter and Joost Daumin. Our thanks to Dr. Mohammed Abdullah, Sana Smith and myself for reviewing the script. The podcast was edited by the Perforce 3 researchers, Mohammed, Lakson, Melanie and Odni, and was published and promoted by Faeza, Lara, Lars and Sylvia. The project has received funding from the European Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under the Marie Skodowska Curie Grant Agreement 860665. All views expressed belong to the authors and do not represent those of our funders. This episode was hosted by me, Rachel London. This has been PFASology. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time.